everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, babes. How's it going? It's going. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, you got your puppy next to you again? I do. She's like our little sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. If you saw the YouTube video from a couple weeks ago, maybe she was there like the whole time. You're basically like rubbing her down um, top to bottom the whole time. She's just like, oh, yeah. That's, that's why she likes to sit with me because yeah. I'm always scratching and, and rubbing on her. Yeah. Um, but anytime you see our puppy in the podcast, it's probably that we're doing a morning podcast because our daughter's not around to kind of babysit her. Yeah. What do we call her? B- puppy center? Sunny Paws. Sunny Paws uh, daycare. Puppy, d- puppy daycare. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, she's, she's just hanging out. And uh, I usually get the YouTube videos up about two, three days after. So maybe today I'll surprise you guys. Who knows? Yeah. Definitely. She's sub- cute. She's worth seeing. Yeah, but uh, I was going to say definitely subscribe to us if you haven't oh, already. Oh, that too. Uh, do you have a YouTube account? Um, uh, yeah, like I do. One? I, th- I have don't you know. subscribed to us? I, I don't know. You know that question was coming, didn't you? No, I actually, I didn't. Okay, because it was like... Uh, I try to keep my social media to a minimum. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, if you're ever talking to us on Instagram or anything, it's me, usually. I mean, 99% of the time, unless Allison has my phone in her hand, which you have Instagram on your... your but they, it's attached to my account, whatever. Yeah. But, um, boring stuff. Boring. Yeah, but um, exciting stuff. We are not ready just yet, but we got to find a way to make these uh, uh, coffee cups available because we posted on Instagram. Everybody said they love them. So yeah, they are really cool. They are very. It's cool. actually our logo. Yeah, and it's now get me. These are done by our sister in law. Yes, because I last said the wrong thing that our sister in law yes. did our t shirts, but you did our t shirts. Yes, and you said those were expensive because they were custom made. Yes, they were like thirty five bucks each or something. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to sell thirty five dollar t shirts, but. But um, yeah. we made those for ourselves. Now, we're going to try to get these in a decent price, too. We don't want to just put them out there for 50 bucks or something. Who wants to spend 50 bucks on a coffee cup? You no. know what I'm saying? I want to get the name out there. Plus, it's freaking cool. It so, is cool. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want a bloody coffee cup in their cabinets? You know, I always went to like places or like podcasts and be like, why do they charge so much for stuff? Don't they want their name out there? It's because it's hard to produce it. Yeah, it is. So we'll see. As soon as it's up, we'll definitely let But you most know. importantly, what's inside our coffee cup? Oh, boy. Why don't you tell everybody? Because you're very excited about this. Well, couple against of, my will maybe last episode i'm not sure time flies by too quickly but we talked about how our nespresso machine which we use to add um espresso shots to our coffee had petered out after i don't know maybe five years and i was missing it terribly and of course mr scrooge over here everything that breaks takes usually five times longer to replace or fix than it, it, it should so well in your world it should be fixed immediately immediately and there's no such thing as money and everything should just get not true. replaced immediately not true mm-hmm. but um if something brings you great joy like a good cup of coffee in the morning yes that should be replaced don't we still have a keurig for yeah, that reason and it, it's fine don't we still have french presses don't we still have coffee beans and the same things of that nature at 4 30 in the morning when i'm working i'm not doing a french press on a tuesday maybe you should think about that and like no. do it the day before not at all because okay. then it wouldn't be fresh lots of our friends probably make this some some tea in the mornings you know i don't good for them i don't care if you have hot cocoa i don't care if you have water i'm talking about me okay so i wanted a good cup of coffee so i started looking at nespresso machines that actually do cups of coffee as well as espresso and they're called the virtuo yeah the virtual line yeah so of course it took an extensive conversation to pull the trigger and get it and by extensive conversation i mean a real look at how much this damn thing will cost us because the Old Nespresso original pods are like 50 cents each or something like that. It's like something. pretty cheap. You can get them from Amazon now and they're pretty good. So it was like a nice way to add an espresso shot. But these are minimum of $1.10 up to like $1.25 for each like coffee pod, which is sure it's eight ounces. Some most of them are eight ounces. Some are five or three. But and it's damn good coffee. I used to have one of my startup companies. I, I worked for a startup a software company and that was the only machine that had an espresso. And there was like 50 of us on the floor. I'm like each of these like I had three or four of them because i wanted to have coffee i like them and i was like each of these are costing this company probably two bucks at the time i'm like well this is all you have so i'm going to use them but exactly uh, it's delicious it's got like a nice straight crema on top of like a froth a little bit just on your regular coffee which is freaking awesome yeah it looks like it came from a coffee shop so on friday i'm taking a walk at work and we're on the phone and he's got his little calculator out i'm imagining the paper at the back of the calculator spitting out hey, size doesn't matter 
And of course, I can't see him because he's at home. I'm at work. And he's like, okay, how many cups of coffee do you think you're going to have? And blah, blah, blah. And ding, 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 ding. Okay, we priced it out. Well, and it wasn't like I approved it. I told you this one's going to cost us about $300 more a year. Are you happy with that? I'm happy with that. (laughs) And also, I am not an idiot when it comes to money. I know what things cost. But there are times in life, like I work my ass off. I work every day. And if I want a cup of coffee in the morning, I want a good cup of coffee. It comes out to 89 cents a day. It's going to cost us more, which, you know, it's quite a bit. I'm worth it. It adds up, you know, over 50, 60 years. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yeah, you are. And you did. And we did. We did. Yeah, we got it at uh, Target, who still does price matching. Thank goodness for Target. So we found it on like uh, Amazon and Walmart cheaper, but Target's right down the street. And uh, I don't like setting foot in Walmart. I just feel like I'm going to get like hepatitis or something. Well, it's just really unorganized in there. Yeah. And I'm probably never going to find the thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love Walmart. We're Walmart. We're not like hoity toity. It's just chaotic in there. Yeah. It's crazy. I say they should dispense a Xanax at the door. Yeah. Which would be nice. I think they'd get more customers. They probably would. They'd get a lot (laughs) of repeat customers. Probably lines, lines and lines. (laughs) And they'd probably have people passed out inside that have come in and out <laughs> if you're a walmart executive hey think about it think about it yeah xanax boop, right there i say at my work there's certain staff members and nurses that are like so freaking high strung and it's like those are the ones that think that because they're high strung they're going to be more productive mm. um Sounds i say like that as idea. they swipe their badge a dispenser of xanax should come out <laughs> and then when they clock back in for lunch it should dispense again yeah so that way it, it covers them for their 12-hour shift that's good allison uh, teach people to cover their emotions and things with drugs Good job. It would make everybody's life better. That's true. Including their coworkers and the patients. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> um, I want to say uh, thanks for any time you guys are listening to us and you leave a review. I know there's a million different platforms. I got a message from somebody like, hey, there's more than um, Amazon and or there's more than Apple and Spotify. And I was like, I know. I definitely know there are. We see all the stats and everything. But the, those are the ones you can actually you know leave the reviews on. Actually, Apple's probably the main review. But there's also one called Podcast Addict that we do pretty decently at and somebody left a review there and i'd like to read it if that's please okay. mike go ahead yeah this one's by Johnsy, and Johnsy said outstanding podcast one of the best out there thorough and in-depth investigative work and that is uh well researched everything about this podcast is great and the hosts have so much empathy and passion towards their subjects it's always good to have a mix of solved cases on your pod yeah so. solved ones are definitely it's satisfying satisfying obviously the unsolved ones need to be talked about too yeah but everybody likes you know to tie things up at the end i do personally but um yeah you gotta mix it up a little bit yeah so thank you for noticing uh i Allison, i swear to god after i leave my office here i work from home so after i leave my office at five o'clock at night and i come into the kitchen it's like she's sitting there just like tip tapping away and listening to like different documentaries and stuff somebody said uh on our YouTube channel, they said, um, yeah, the Idaho murders, they were like, well, I was a little worried when you said that you, didn't, you hadn't really heard a lot about it, but then it turns out you did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And my comment was like, yeah, Allison does like five to six hours of research per episode. Yeah, I would never waste somebody's time to yeah. listen and not be informed. Yeah, and mine too. I do three, four, five, six. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's because I'm a little like, you know, ADD. Oh, well, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but I was doing research Friday night. What was the show we watched on... Uh, um, I can't remember. Was that on oh, HBO you Max? Can't, that will not stick in your head. It will not. No. It's called The Last of Us. The Last of Us. <laughs> like you've asked me four times and that's not like you. No, it's not. And I it's, don't. You know, I know it. Maybe that's why your brain's like, he's going to know it because yeah. it's a video game. Um, I sent it to you and I said, we should watch this. It's a really good show. If you're, you know, open to some, seeing something new, uh, check it out. To give me some credit also, I uh, thought we should have watched it, but I didn't suggest it because I didn't think you'd be into a zombie thing. How would I know? that Mike. i don't know okay so i should blame myself because i didn't bring it up to my wife who's one of my closest people in my life yeah i'm your confidant you are my confidant <laughs> you're my just partner. like my golden girl you're my golden girl <laughs> that's right yeah so on that should we get started let's get started so this is a listener suggestion the story it's from lauren and oh, i thank you lauren real quick um any listener suggestions just get at us anywhere um we got one through patreon the other day through instagram is probably our number one um, you can tweet at us. I, I don't check Twitter that often, but Instagram's probably the top, and then you can send us a message on Patreon. Yeah. So really, any of those is fine. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate those suggestions, and I don't want you to think I'm you know, just blowing you off if I don't cover the case. I like to cover things that I haven't heard multiple times on other podcasts. Like somebody reached out to us the other day 
I had just heard the topic on Morbid, like literally just a couple of weeks um, ago. Somebody just suggested Israel Keys, and he has been covered. I've heard him at least five times on. It's I mean it's a thorough uh, story, crazy story, crazy horrible story. But you can hear it on so many other platforms that I just don't want to cover it. Right. So I don't ever want you to think I'm dissing you. It's just I like to do something that I've never heard before. Right. That's my fair enough typical mo. Hey, and it's our podcast. So thank you, Lauren, for this suggestion this story takes place in the san francisco bay area in october of 2002 just to give you a scene um so this is the story of the murder of gwen arajo and gwen arajo was born on february 24th 1985 in brawley california her parents were edward and sylvia um when she was 10 months old her parents divorced it sounds like she was mainly raised from her mom i don't know what her father's input was in her life So Gwen was actually born with male genitalia, and her parents named her Eddie. Though even early on in life, she, as well as other family and friends, noticed that Gwen was more drawn to things that would be typically done by females. And I don't ever like to say like the word normal or whatever. You know, if definitely a, don't say that because that's really offensive. Not in this case. I'm saying generally speaking. Yeah. If a two-year-old little boy wants to play with Barbies. It's ridiculous to me to like say you can't do that. That's for girls. Hey, our son liked dressing in dresses. He liked dressing in like mini dresses, mini mouse, and um, Cinderella dresses. Yeah, I think he was doing that for a laugh. To be perfectly honest, I think he so. Would, he would like come out like laughing. But I was also in the back of my head like, huh, maybe this is what he likes. And and whatever, you yeah. know, you can't change what's inside of somebody. I, he had a huge smile on his face. That's all I gave a crap about. But the point was when I'm saying that family and friends noticed that Eddie was being drawn more to what would be typical for a female child. Yeah, I, I think everybody understands. You know, anytime they were playing like a pretend game, Eddie always wanted to be the female person in the role. Uh, they specifically mentioned She-Ra. So, um, you know, oh, this is back in the... This was like the He-Man, you know, girl. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, loved, you know, she loved experimenting with dress-up with her sisters, with hairstyles, makeup. And finally, at age 14, it was 1999, she sat down to have a conversation, a heart-to-heart with her mom. And she told her, I don't feel like a boy. I feel like a freak. You know, And I can only imagine that you must feel like you're trapped inside of a body that you're not identifying with. And that's just got to be terrible. And um, like right now, it's a, you know, a, a topic that we know a lot more about. But yes. like 1999, that mm-hmm. is like super brave to kind of come out and just be like you know you can say what you want about um sexuality even then 1999 the 90s were a weird time we tell our kids like you know being gay was kind of like looked down on not even kind of it definitely was looked down on in the 90s and we've come a long way yeah and, i mean we still have a long way to come for sure but but the, we're moving so age 14 um mm-hmm. she's talking to her mom yes and you know she said i you know i feel like a freak i don't feel like i belong in this boy's body and after a lot of tears and talking sylvia thankfully assured her daughter that she would fully support her transition and i think that that's amazing especially back then like you said people like wait wait what you want to be a girl you know but her mom said like i love you and i will accept you and that's fantastic man i just want to be my kid's life whatever happens, yeah you exactly know? so at this point um and you know gwen is starting to use the word gwen or the name gwen rather than the name she was born with which was eddie and you know she chose the name gwen after her favorite musician gwen stefani oh. Sometimes she would identify as Wendy and also Lita, but mostly Gwen. So she began to grow her hair long and was going to start using hormone therapy as well as undergoing surgery at some point in the future. Not yet at this point. So Gwen's older sister, Pearl, she didn't understand what was happening. She began to notice that Gwen was growing her hair out, beginning to wear makeup. The first time Pearl saw her sister's makeup smeared, she yelled, what is wrong with you? She didn't fully grasp what being transgender actually meant until after her sister was gone. Because, you know, it was all new for the family. They were just kind of evolving and growing as things happened. If I could talk selfishly, I mean, it's definitely still a confusing subject to me. And you're doing a hell of a job sticking with the pronouns. Yeah, I try to learn whatever I can. I want to, you know, address people however they want to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I watched a video the other day. They're like, so if somebody just wants to be called Tom, 
and like that's their middle name, but their given name is like Rick, you're going to be like, no, I'm calling you Rick because your name's Rick and that's the given name, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, no, if somebody wants to be called Tom, then go ahead. If somebody wants to be called she, then I'm going to refer you as her or exactly. she, whatever. And, and I don't know. Like, I just want people to be happy, you know? Exactly. So it took time for the family to adjust to the changes, but they gradually began to accept Gwen as a woman. Pearl said that Gwen was bullied in junior high because of her voice. Um, and when they're saying because of her voice, I don't know if this was before she came out and said that she wanted to be female. Um, it was kind of confusing what I was reading. But then as she moved on to high school, you know, people can be very mean. And it was a very toxic environment for her. So Sylvia ended up pulling her daughter out of school for safety purposes. You know, she didn't want to send her out there where she was being kind of tormented like thrown to the wolves basically out out in the wild and of course you know even to this day there's so many topics and conversations about the whole bathroom use you know like there's so much controversy about that hey every time i go to a baseball game i know guys don't care if a girl comes in there like oh yeah go ahead (laughs) you know i know i know one side but it's a lot different on the girl side when you have a a person that you know has male genitalia coming in that might be you know something interesting but. that was a thing at school too you know yeah. what bathroom is Gwen using so she wasn't allowed to use the female restroom she was often teased and threatened in school so eventually she transferred to an alternative high school but then in starting in the school year of 2002 to 2003 she didn't return I don't know if she planned on getting her GED or what the case was but she did not go back So in September of 2002, when Gwen was 17, she met 22-year-old Michael Magidson, who invited her to hang out with... Magidson? Magidson. Okay. I was going to say, that's an unfortunate last name. I know, but when you say it quickly... M-A-G-E-D? No, M-A-G-I-D. Magidson. Okay. Mm -hmm. He invited her to hang out with his friends. So he's 22, and he's inviting her to hang out with 22-year-old Jose Merrill, 19-year-old Jaron Neighbors, and 22-year-old Jason Cazares. So these are a bunch of 19 to 22-year-olds? Yes. And how old is Gwen at this time? 17. 17. So the night they met, they smoked marijuana together. Gwen was flirting with the men. She told them that her name was Lita. Over the next several weeks, the flirtation turned intimate, and Gwen sexually engaged with Michael and Jose. During her encounters with her, her encounter with Jose, Gwen told him that she was menstruating and she was basically pushing her or his hands away so that he couldn't feel that she had male genitalia. Okay, so we're talking oral stuff here and hand, handies, and also something else but i i I don't want to go into details you can use your imagination as to what may have gone oh wow so So the uh yeah trunk so after several similar situations the pair began to wonder why gwen wouldn't allow them to touch certain parts of her body at one point jaron neighbors asked the other three could this be a dude and none of the men took the question seriously they kind of just laughed it off well, here, yeah, that's kind of a little, you know, dishonest. You, you want to be upfront as much as possible, you know? So, I mean, she wasn't lying. No. I mean, I guess she lied about menstruating. Yes. But and you know, also, yeah, I mean, you got to, you want to like at least, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a very tough situation. It being the person that is going after this person that I'm assuming is a, you know, is, well, that I'm assuming has certain things, I would be mad if I found out otherwise. So, in late September, Gwen got into a physical fight with the girlfriend of Paul Merrill, which is Jose's older brother. The girlfriend was Nicole Brown, and the fight started after Nicole challenged Gwen to strip for the men. Nicole was caught off guard when Gwen punched her with force, and Brown said that um, the guys were tripping because she was smaller than me, but just as strong. And Nicole said she fought like a guy. Michael and Jose began discussing the possibility that Gwen was a man and said that if she was, something bad would happen. Michael made the comment to Jose, whatever you do, don't make a mess. On the night of Thursday, October 3rd, 2002, Jose Merrill was having a party at his house in Newark, California. It was a rental house. He shared it with his younger brother, Manny, and his older brother, Paul. So basically, it's a house that has three very young people. I don't know how old Manny was, but we know that Jose is, what, 22? Yeah. So that and then the older brother, Paul. And anytime there's a bunch of young people living together, yeah, I think we've had another story where it was some young people living together mm-hmm. and it doesn't end well. Yeah, it's it's just a lot for young people to be on their own like that. So this is in Newark, California. I mean, 22 is not young people, but like 17 area. Yeah, and I'm guessing Manny was probably somewhere around there. 
The house was known to be a party house, and that night they had invited Michael. So the, that night it was Michael, Manny, Paul, Nicole, Jaron, and Jason, and then Gwen came along too. So as the night progressed, they sat around the kitchen table playing dominoes, and they decided to confront Gwen and demanded that she take her pants down to prove that she wasn't a man. Michael took Gwen to the bathroom. I don't know what went on in there, but they stayed in the bathroom for about 30 to 45 minutes. While they were in the bathroom, the rest of the group was, you know, going back and forth. Do you think that Gwen's a man? And they're asking Nicole this question. And Nicole's thinking, no, I, I honestly think that Gwen is a female. So they just they told her that despite engaging in sexual acts, Gwen stopped them from touching certain parts of her body. And that's why they were thinking that she was hiding something. So Nicole volunteered to check. She knocked on the door of the bathroom and they let her in. When Nicole asked Gwen if she was a man, she said that Gwen looked down. Nicole uh, spread Gwen's legs as hard as she could and grabbed at her crotch area. Nicole left the bathroom basically screaming to the group that Gwen is an effing man. This is an effing man. It's like going on and on. So when Gwen finally left the bathroom, because initially she stayed back, Michael immediately punched her and knocked her to the ground they lifted her legs and pulled her underwear to the side to confirm that she was a man so now the whole group knows for sure that gwen has male genitalia so several times michael tried to put gwen in a chokehold but each time the group did intervene and pull him away well here's the thing i can see being you know let down that you were lied to or you know not told the complete truth but you don't have to like choke somebody out, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I maybe you know the punching thing. But, yeah, I'm not gonna do that to anybody. But I could see being angry and like you know misrepresenting whatever. And it's like you know you have male genitalia, so you you know whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean I I could see being angry, but like the choking out that's a little far. It's insane. And you know, just say get the hell out of my house and right. don't, I don't engage talk to you again or whatever with this person it is. again. That's, yeah, the, this is why we have words. This is why we have communication. Yeah, uh, fights and things are when adults can't communicate properly. It's basically toddlers, you know, losing their shit, like having a fit. Yes. So Michael, Jaron, and Jason went outside at this point, while Nicole and Jose stayed inside with Gwen. We know Paul is there somewhere. Manny is there somewhere. They weren't involved in this part. So Nicole is trying to calm down a distraught Jose. I mean, I guess he was like literally losing his mind. He vomited. Um, He was carrying on. Does this mean that I'm gay? She assured him that he wasn't gay as he cried. And Nicole suggested that they just let Gwen leave. And it's not like being gay is a disease or something, but I can definitely understand, you know, where you're coming from. You thought you're making out with a female and the person has male genitalia and it's a lot for a younger person to handle for anybody to handle you know it's sure just it's like, a huh. lot to absorb yeah yeah you know, it's just somebody that is isn't what you thought they were right so nicole again is suggesting that they just let gwen go she went over to the bathroom where gwen remained and said you know why don't you just leave and at this point gwen exited the house through the front door but of course the three guys were out there michael jared and jason they forced her back inside Gwen tried to get the phone to the phone to call her mom, though she was stopped each time she tried. Manny testified that he also tried to help get Gwen out of the house, but Jaron and Michael stopped him and they brought Gwen to the living room. She begged them to just let her go. She continuously apologized. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please let me go. I have a family. So Jose went to the kitchen and got a frying pan and struck Gwen in the head with it. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, that's just it Which escalated. One? Jose? This is Jose. So he hit her in the head with the frying pan and then went back to the kitchen and grabbed a can of food. They said it was like a, a can of tomatoes. Again, hit her in the head. What the hell is wrong with people? Like what when in what area is it okay to just like beat somebody? I like it's it's not cool, man. It's not okay. It's not acceptable. It's highly illegal. Like this is all like horrible shit. And not to mention you have at least three guys ganging up on this one person, which is very cowardly. I don't care what this other person is, it's super cowardly. I can't stand when I see a video of like a bunch of dudes jumping on somebody. Right. It's like you're not a, a a super macho man because you got five people against you've one. got your whole gang behind you backing You're a you up little puss piece of shit is what you are i think that every time i'm like oh my gosh i don't know how they like you know could take their shirts off and be all like big time it's like no you're a puss because you needed three other people one-on-one is like the only way to go i cannot stand when groups of people jump somebody right 
So before all of this was going on with the frying pan and the can of food, Nicole went to her boyfriend Paul's bedroom. He had left as things started to become confrontational. Probably the best move. Right. And when she came back out into the family room or living room, she saw that Michael had blood all over his hands and that Gwen was bloodied on the couch. This is when um, Nicole, Manny, and Paul decided, we're getting out of here. They went, I guess, and stayed the night at a friend's house. So they're now out of the picture. So Jaron and Jason then left the house in Michael's truck to pick up a shovel and a pickaxe from Jason's house. And this is never good. What in God's name are you going to the house to get a shovel for? Well, I'm going to have to guess that they already thought that she was dead. And of course, you know, they're like, well, now we got to get rid of the body, man. <laughs> no, at this point in time, she was not dead. I know she probably wasn't because she was, you know, but unconscious, I'm sure, laying there. So when they returned, they said that Gwen was still conscious. Oh, OK. They said that she was bleeding from her head wound and sitting on the couch. Ugh. But then Jose saw that she was bleeding and looked at the couch and basically forced her off the couch saying, don't get blood on my couch. So so they've like a, a switch has flipped inside of Jose and these other f- guys. And they're just like, we're going to finish this off. The fact that they left the house while she was still conscious and sitting up. Not to mention that's fantastic for what they're going to have to serve because that's like premeditated. Yes. You know what you're doing. It's not like heat of the moment, like whatever. You can almost explain away a part of that if you have a crazy lawyer that really like looks into the stuff. But going to get some more instruments to commit what they're about to i'm sure is terrible exactly so at this point in time after jose ordered gwen off the couch jose began cleaning the couch while michael continued to attack Gwen. he punched gwen in the face twice until she fell to the floor he then drove his knee into her face with such force that her head hit the opposite wall breaking the plaster jaron said that gwen still appeared conscious at this point Michael then wrapped Gwen in a comforter to control the amount of blood on the carpets and brought Gwen to the garage. Jaron testified that Michael strangled Gwen with a rope and Jason hit her with a shovel and said that he was coming back from the garage. He didn't actually witness Gwen die. He claimed that he saw Michael raising the rope to Gwen's neck and that he later told the others that he had wrapped the rope around Gwen's neck and twisted it and that he wasn't sure if this killed her or if the blows from the shovel that Jason inflicted had killed her. Either way, they knew at this point that Gwen had had died. I'm really not sure. We did a lot of different things that could probably have killed her, uh, between shovels and ropes and things of that nature, and punches and wrapping her up and unable to breathe and whatever. Like It seems like all this stuff probably stemmed from homophobia. A hundred million percent. Like Just because these dipshits are worried that like other people will be like, you're gay, man. Oh, you're gay. And then all their friends are going to say it and you know just other words for, for gayness. But it's like, I don't know, like, yeah, it happened. Like, we need to get to a point in society where it's just like, it happened. Okay, well, yeah, I made out with a guy, okay, whatever. It yeah. happened, yeah, well, I didn't want to, but it happened, okay. And then, then that, that needs to be the accepting side of the other side, too. Oh, oh, yeah, well, that's weird. Anyways, uh, you want another beer or something? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I do know during various interviews with police, when they asked Michael, did you put the rope around her neck and and strangle Gwen? He did whisper yes. So he, you know, they do have varying stories of who did what. He whispered it. I did hear him admit that, you know, he did it. He's like, "Uh, do I get a lower sentence for saying yes? Exactly. It's like, (laughs) just man up, you piece of shit. You're man enough to, to beat somebody. So Gwen's autopsy showed that she died of strangulation associated in addition with blunt force trauma to the head. So it all coincides with what they said happened. So the four men then drove her body nearly four hours away to the Silver Forks campground in El Dorado National Forest. On their way home, they stopped through the McDonald's drive-thru for breakfast. Well, you need a snack wrap or something, you know. So when Nicole later asked Jose Merrill what happened, his response was basically, let's just say she had a long walk home. So when Sylvia woke up the next day, this is Gwen's mom, it was October 4th, and I believe it was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. So she's going into the bathroom to get ready for work, and she noticed that Gwen's contact case was in the cabinet and it was open, it you know, signifying that Gwen hadn't come home that night and put her contacts in for the evening. So immediately she was very panicked and she was sure that something was wrong. 
Gwen was reported missing the following day on October 5th. Initially, it was said that her case wasn't taken seriously, partly because she was transgender and also because Gwen was known to stay overnight at other people's homes. So, of course, it's, you know, often, oh, I'm sure she'll be home. She was probably just staying over at somebody's house. So it wasn't exactly taken seriously. Police had no information until dumbass Jaron, and thank goodness he is, told a close friend. So, of course, they're out in the desert digging and burying uh, Gwen, and they say, you know, we're taking this to the grave. We're not going to say a word. That's always the uh, initial thought until something's offered, and then all of a sudden people start opening up a little bit. So, Jaron tells a close friend about what happened that night, and word got back, like, honestly, it spread around. It must have spread around town because word got back to Gwen's family that a girl who had been outed as a transgender at a party had been murdered and buried in Tahoe. And of course, you know, Gwen's family right away is just like, oh, my God. Gwen's not home. And this sounds like this could be her. So on October 9th. Um, real quick. Thank God for being a stupid dumbass yes. and telling somebody. Thank I goodness. Mean, I'm so thankful for these stupid criminals and stupid dumb pieces of shit like this guy who let it out of the bag and can get found. And they had said, you know, where Gwen had been taken to and buried. Had Jaron not told somebody, she would have never, ever, ever been found. Yeah. So Almost like bragging a little bit. A hundred percent. And we would not be sitting here telling the story. Family would never know what happened to Gwen had this person not confessed. We wouldn't have enough information on the story and we probably wouldn't be able to remember yeah gwen yeah and not to mention her family would have never known what happened to to her so on october 9th gwen's aunt called the police with the information you know my niece is missing and we're hearing word about this person saying that they they killed somebody so investigators contacted jaron's friend who he had told and this person agreed agreed to wear a wire, excuse me, when they went to speak with Jaron. And of course, he was more than happy to tell the whole story again. Oh, yeah. He's very proud. While the person was wearing the wire. So then they brought Jaron in, of course. And during a police interrogation with Jaron, he went into full detail about exactly what happened that night and who was involved. <laughs> like, it's probably one of those movies where it's like, and then what happened? And he's like, blah, 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 blah. and it's like, yeah. oh, so you did kill her. And like, leans in with like the microphone. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I strangled her. And everything yeah and you know obviously he's hoping he can get off scot-free because he's telling the police that michael was the one with the rope and jason was the one with the shovel and we will eventually find out that those two things are what killed gwen so i think jaron's hoping that he gets off just as like the informant jaron's the one with the wire Jaron is the one that the friend wore the wire and spoke with. Okay. He's the one that told the friend that eventually this is how we know Gwen was buried out in the desert. Well, yeah, you're hoping, but you're not going to get off scot-free unless you make that deal before this happens. So you'll find out what happens here. So on October 15th, um, Jaron took police to Gwen's body. She had been hogtied, bludgeoned, and strangled to death and buried in a shallow grave under rocks. In addition to Jaron, police arrested Jose Merrill and Michael Magidson, who were accused of strangling Gwen and a few weeks later. So initially, Jason wasn't brought in. Again, Jaron got Jason pinned on because he was writing letters to his girlfriend from prison, and that's where it implicated Jason. So police, of course, are intercepting these letters, reading them, and saying, oh, there's a fourth person involved here, Jason. They're intercepting them and sending them back and like making shit. It's it's great. I love when when people are stupid. So this implicated Jason as the one that struck Gwen in the head with the shovel. So at this point in time, Jason was arrested. Paul Merrill was released after Emmanuel and Nicole confirmed that he had left the house with them because there was reports and multiple things that I read that Paul had also engaged in sexual encounters with Gwen. So it was potential that he could have been equally upset as these guys were, but he did not have any part in he was there. It, at some point, they saw that Michael had blood on his hands. They saw that Gwen was on the couch bloodied. They left at that point. So Nicole, Manny, and Paul are basically just excluded from any of this. So the case became a cry for Jan's transgender excuse me, rights, and vigils and marches were held in several San Francisco Bay Area cities seeking justice for Gwen. Uh, real quick, Nicole, Manny, and Paul, nobody called police or anything. Nobody called police. They again. The only reason why we know what happened is because Jaron told a friend. And Nicole, Manny, and Paul didn't. Uh, they didn't see any of this. They stuff? did not see any of it when they left the house. Gwen was sitting conscious on the couch. 
What, oh, okay. Con, uh, was she? She was. Oh, yeah. This is when they went to get the pickaxe and stuff, or no? No, they okay. left, and that's before she when, was beaten or anything. No, because they did see blood on Michael's hands, and Gwen was bleeding. That's at that point. Jose had struck her in the head with the frying pan and the can of tomatoes. Okay. So, so she was bleeding. Okay. And Nicole, Manny, and Paul know that she's bleeding and she got hit. Yes. They know she was hit with a frying pan, I believe. They just I saw remember, she had blood on her. She was sitting on the couch at the time they left. And Manny um, said he tried to help her he get out. He did. He tried to let her leave the house, but the boys brought her back in. Nicole and Paul didn't try to help at any point. They did not help. They left the house and went and stayed at somebody else's house when Gwen was still conscious and sitting up on the couch. So that's, I mean, there's something to be, I, I don't want to just glaze over that these people didn't help. They did not help and they did not tell police. And they knew. They, you what, can say whatever you want to make yourself feel better. What they were told about, you know, they said that she took a long walk home. Yeah. They knew she was dead. I'm, I'm positive of that. Now, I get like, you don't want to be wrapped up in some, um, like a murder that's going to like ruin your life guaranteed you know that's if, if you get like jail time and stuff like that your your whole life is different because you know you have this on your record forever right um but at the same time as a human that no point in time did they ever contact the police i mean even an anonymous call or something would be cool. yeah they didn't contact the police that night to say hey there's crap going down at this house there's a girl on our couch she's got blood on her she's been hit these or guys have her in the house pretend you're a neighbor be like yeah there's a neighbor i heard yeah. some some commotion it sounds like somebody was crying something's going Check on. it out go hang up and Done. then after the fact they did not call to say hey i just want to let you know i think somebody got killed at this house yeah that's uh that's questionable yeah questionable so, um you know ethics uh and thing yeah of course like you said humanity yeah but they did nothing they were not brought into no any charges kind of, of anything nothing hmm. nothing whatsoever interesting okay so again there's marches happening throughout the san francisco bay area in honor of gwen seeking justice for gwen uh, Gwen's murder was compared to the brutal death of Matthew Shepard. This happened four years earlier in Laramie, Wyoming. Matthew was a 21-year-old gay man who was beaten, tortured, and left to die on October 6, 1998, basically just because he was gay. So at the time of Gwen's murder, Newark Memorial High School just happened to be getting ready to stage a play about Matthew's death. It was called The Laramie Project because it happened in Laramie, Wyoming. And the community connected the comparisons between what happened to Matthew and how Gwen was killed. And the case garnered both good and bad national attention. Initial coverage by several media outlets were describing Gwen as a cross-dressing man. So people are getting all the terminology wrong. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I'm still get confused on things, you know when when you talk about pronouns and transgender and i want to make sure that i'm respectful and everything but sometimes it's a lot for because i'm not used to the you know that area you know i, I don't ha know anybody personally so it's really hard yeah. for me and i try my best i get that so in the 1999 this is this is 2002 oh 2002 so in 2002 this is like just out of left field and that i i that's what i would assume people are talking about like cross-dressing and whatever right which is, i imagine very offensive to say but so the know. whole thing was is that you know gwen had not yet done any kind of surgical changes but she her, identified as a female and wanted to be known as a female so they were getting her pronouns and everything you know wrong on the news some argued that she was being deceitful with other um while the others firmly felt that she was just being who she was at the time that she was killed so some people are like yeah you know she was lying to them and and blah 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 so police and the family even even the family were referring to gwen by her birth name eddie and use the pronouns he and him. I heard so many of these family members being like, yeah, and he was just such a great person and, you know, not saying she as Gwen would have wanted. Well, and then the news will do that the same thing. And, uh, right. Know, and now it'd be a little bit different because we have more understanding and right. we've had more information given to us. But back then, yeah, it's. It, I know it doesn't seem so long for us being 40-something-year-olds. Yeah, it was 21 years ago. But it's a long time, yeah. So transgender activists were educating the family about what it means to be transgender and the proper use of pronouns and the name that Gwen wanted to be used with. You know, she wanted to be called Gwen, not Eddie. In her mind, Eddie was gone. That was a different person. So, um, excuse me. So, again, to at telling the, the media and the family, please refer to Gwen as she, her. 
And then you've heard of this pastor, Pastor Fred Phelps. I don't know if I've heard of the pastor, but I've heard of this piece of shit church. So this is the Westboro Baptist Church. So they're like widely known as they just stir shit up and they're the they're the worst people on the planet and go oh ahead oh my gosh just disgusting so yeah. he's encouraging all these um plans to like picket the play the laramie project uh threatening to picket gwen's funeral people are marching around with these horrific signs i mean just disgusting god hates f words you know disparaging word for gay people um, you will die, like, you know... Uh, basically saying rotten, burn in hell, Gwen. And this is not by no means a representative of the Christian faith. These people are just looking for, you know, f- time on television and stuff. They are like the extreme sect of some kind of weird whatever. Not not even part of Christian. They're, they're pieces of shit, these Westboro Baptist Oh, they're Baptist horrible church. people. They're horrible, horrible human beings. And I'm sorry that I'm even talking about them. The whole reason they do it is so we say it. So well, I'm not going to say are. it anymore the name of the church. So basically, he had threatened to picket Gwen's funeral. He didn't end up doing that. But I guess he had come to Gwen's mom's house, Sylvia's house. She saw this man. And then he had sent flowers to her funeral to the point that they were worried that there was something wrong there. And I think a bomb squad even got involved to take them out of there because they didn't know what he was capable of doing. I don't know if that was like their one of their first things, but like in the like the last 10 years they're way more like they will pick it everything and they've gone to like a soldier's funeral and so you know whatever that might have been gay and like just pick it there it's it's horrible they're I just, terrible people. i don't know how anybody can have that kind of hate in their heart i mean and it, then say they're do, like a child of god and it, like i'm preaching the lord's word no it's not lord's word so if you're I mean, if you have that hate in your heart, just stay home and have the hate in your heart. You don't have to go to share it with other people. Like that's that's kind of a general rule of anything. If you're like really sad and you're well, you're, you're you hate certain things, you don't have to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I told your uh, you know so, some a family member, like you don't have to tell people that you hate something. You can just keep it to yourself because you know what, nobody cares that you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Gwen's funeral was held in Newark on October 25th, 2002. Again, Pastor Phelps didn't attend to picket. There were plenty of other anti-gay, anti-trans demonstrators there, which who the hell shows up at a funeral? Let the person die in peace and their family mourn properly. Like, don't bring the attention to yourself, right? Crazy. I mean, these people are grieving their loved one's vicious, violent death. And you're out there carrying signs. What is wrong with you? Crazy. Like, what the hell is wrong inside of your soul that would... You're sitting there with, like, paint and markers, making the sign, stapling it to a piece of wood, putting it in your car and driving to a person's funeral. At what point in time did you not think, this might be a bad idea? Like, what's the end game here? You think somebody's going to see this be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to be transgender. There's going to be picketers. It's only right to be straight and marry a man, a man marry a woman, and a woman marry a man. That's it. You make a great point. I'm That's good. just it. Yeah. Um. So Gwen's mom, Sylvia, released 17 butterflies at her daughter's funeral. I guess Gwen just absolutely loved Gwen, uh, butterflies. She released one for each year that her daughter lived. And some friends from her high school came dressed wearing angel wings kind of to, to divert and overpower these people who are demonstrating, keep them away from the f- grieving family, let them have their peace and all of that. That's a good idea. In 2003, Jaren agreed to testify. So Jaren is the whistleblower here. That's the, the one that got somebody had a wire and Jaren was the one that told the yes. person with the wire everything. Yes. And, and also led police to where Gwen's body was. Okay. So uh, Jaron agreed to testify against the other three defendants in exchange for pleading no contest to a reduced charge of involuntary manslaughter, which he gave on February 24th, 2003. And on August 25th, 2006, he was sentenced to 11 years in prison. He ended up being released sometime before 2016. So he ended up serving somewhere around nine, 10 years. So during his indictment proceedings, he said that as the men were burying Gwen out in the desert, they continued to demean her. And he testified that he's saying out in the desert, like, I can't believe anyone would be this deceitful. And while they're burying Gwen, Jose is saying, 
um, that he was so mad I could still kick her a couple of more times as she's like dead on the ground. Well, they're all feeding off each other. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, yeah. Did Jaren have any, did he do anything? Not that I know of. Okay. I don't think he physically did anything. He helped bring her back into the house multiple times. Did Jason and Jose uh, like tell, say that Jaren did anything? Not that I know of. Okay. So before the first... But he was there. I mean, he, he, could, he could have though, stopped things and whatever. He and, also helped bury her. Okay, yeah. So he was there the entire time. So, I mean, he got off decently. I mean, nine to ten years is not yeah. bad for being a major part of somebody, you know, killing somebody. Absolutely. So before the first trial, the prosecuting attorney argued that simply being transgender should not have been a death sentence. The first trial for Michael, Jose, and Jason began on April 14th, 2004, a year and a half after Gwen was murdered. Throughout the trial, both the prosecutor and the defense used male pronouns continuously. They continued to use what they call as Gwen's dead name. So the dead name is Eddie. Um, and they demonstrated clear anti-transgender bias in the courtroom. The defense's strategy focused on manslaughter in the heat of passion and tried to prove that there was no premeditation in Gwen's murder and that she was the guilty one, guilty of sexual deceit. Magidson's attorney said that he wasn't biased but was shocked beyond reason to learn that he had unknowingly had sex with a man, which is a variant of what's called the gay panic defense. I don't know if you've ever heard that. No, I'm not uh, studied up on stuff like that. So what that means is that it's a legal strategy where a defendant claims that their violence was because of same sex sexual advances. After nine days of. So sorry to to cut you off. Um, So I'd imagine it's something like, you know, you're with somebody, you meet somebody at a bar, you know, they look one gender, you take them home, you engage in sexual stuff. And then whatever afterwards, they might be like, Oh, look, I got something that you didn't think I had. And you lose your mind and strangle them to death to death. That's a lot. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, it no. may or may not be defense. It could be yeah. a, a brutal attack, but you're basically, it's this whole gay panic defense that I did what I did because I was so shocked in the heat of the moment that this is what I did. And is there, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you don't know, but uh, are there like cases where people got off for the gay I'm panic sure. defense? Okay. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure that there is. I don't know that for a hundred percent fact, yeah, especially but at yes. the time, right? So after nine days of deliberation, it ended in a mistrial on June 22nd, 2004. The jury deadlocked 10 to 2 in favor of acquitting Jason and Jose of first degree murder. They also deadlocked 7 to 5 in favor of convicting Michael for first degree murder. And Gwen's family is devastated because now we're going to have to face another trial to figure out what's going to happen. So the day after the first trial ended, the court granted Sylvia permission for a posthumous name change, and on June 23, 2004, Sylvia was able to legally change her daughter's name to Gwen Amber Rose Araujo. Amber Rose was the name that Sylvia would have given her child had she not been born male. She would have named her that. So this was actually kind of significant because it was the first time in California history that a court granted a name change after the death of a trans person. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if any time that you can look past like previous things, I would say that would be a Mm -hmm. good time. So that was that's nice. And a couple days later, on June 25th, the first trans march was held in San Francisco. They very much focused on honoring Gwen and Sylvia actually spoke at the event And moving forward in the coming trial, the prosecution and defense were required to use Gwen's name properly and not continue to say Eddie, because now it was legally changed. And they also had to use proper pronouns in respect of her. Well, it's interesting because even Gwen's own family got uh, educated. Yeah. And you know what? Um, Sylvia did speak out and say, you know, I blame myself about a lot of the confusion out there because personally, I did say the name Eddie you know, I just want to say that like both people are gone. Gwen and Eddie are gone, but she she admitted her. You know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, it was a mistake. And, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and that that that's really big of her actually yes. to say that. Um, a lot of people don't own up to stuff. Be like, I don't know, it's confusing. You know, because like, she admitted. You know, we were we're still learning. Yeah, I'm not everything. Perfect. That's and that's a totally acceptable way to go about things. So the the unacceptable way is like, no, you know, I'm gonna do this. That's like a little kid being like, I don't like cheese it's like you never even tried it yeah so it's just like be like oh i said the wrong thing and i'm willing to learn the right thing exactly that's like so refreshing it's like oh okay awesome and 
that I'm most, you know, transgender or gay or anybody that, you know, you might not understand will be accepting of you and be like, okay, well, let's learn. Exactly. Or race, the same thing. Like, if you're like, I don't know how, like, a certain race does things, ask somebody and they'll... They'll I'm, happily tell you. I'm sure, right? Like, if somebody asks me, you know, white people do stuff, I'll be like, okay, well, this is my right. typical thing. I don't know. Yeah. Because you're open and curious right. rather than shut down and being like, no, right. you, you're, you were born a man. You're a man. Yeah. It's open like, and curious is the best way to go about everything, mm-hmm. man. I mean, if you can, like, just politically, like, with religion, anything, just be open. And that's when you can talk about stuff is just be able to have your mind changed if a good, like, idea is put out there. Right. So the second trial started on May 31st. I'm sorry, May 31st, 2005. And Michael, Jose, and Jason were charged with first degree murder with hate crime enhancements. Four months later, the jury found Michael and Jose guilty of second degree murder, and they faced 15 years to life in prison. When Jose was given the chance to speak, he was, you know, sobbing his eyes out. He tearfully expressed a deep sorrow and regret to, to Gwen's family. And they actually felt that he was you know, genuine and that he was sorry for what he had done. These guys aren't, you know, murderers. They got involved in something and then they got into, I mean, they are, they don't get, I'm sorry to say that they're, they're murderers, but they're probably not the typical ones we talk about where they're probably going to go on and do other murders and stuff. Uh, hopefully, you hopefully. Would, yeah. But, um, I can definitely see how it would be like looking back and be like, I don't know why the F I did this like that. I, the, whatever the passion got the best of me. I hate the person that I became, you know, if you can say that honestly and really come out yeah. and just be like, that was a horrible mistake. I'm sorry to Gwen's family and everything like, yeah. And, and I saw the video and he did look absolutely devastated. He's like, I wish I could just go back to that horrible day and just change everything that happened. And yeah. I'm just so sorry that this happened. You can respect that. Now, Michael, on the other hand, not at all, not at all. The only thing he expressed when he was given the chance to talk was that he felt anger about the verdict that he was given. Hmm. So, and they got the same verdict, Michael and Yes, Jose. they did. So second, now I'm just going to say second degree murder, they got off kind of easy, mm-hmm. I would say, right? Yep. And and I will tell you, you know, Jose was granted early parole in 2006 so with, with the support of Gwen's mom. She actually felt that he was sorry. He regrets what he did. She supported him leaving prison. It's interesting that, you know, they would look at sylvia at all yeah mm-hmm. in the legal system i don't know if they did or didn't but it was and i don't blame sylvia because she seems to be open-minded too it's like this guy clearly knows he did a horrible mistake he took my daughter uh, away from me and this is something i'll never have back but he feels remorse yes and you know I so him or whatever jose was released in 2016 and michael's parole has been denied twice once in 2016 the last time was september of 2019 so he still remains in prison so what was he sentenced to? I know that you said like 14 to life, but it was, was it? 15 years to life in prison. And they didn't, they just, that's what their sentence was like. You're going to have 15 years to life. And yes. that's it. <laughs> Is that how California Such works? Such a strange <laughs> thing. Cause they were so young. Right. You know? it, that's a big difference. I mean, yeah. 15 to life. They were about 25 years old at this point. Yeah. I mean, we're talking 75 you know, years differently between these two. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they have the potential of being released when they're 40 years old, you know, you, you, but obviously. So he's going to go on like trial or parole or not, whatever. He's going to try for parole like every three years. Uh, I th- it's what it sounds like. Yeah. Huh. So thus far, it's been denied. And then. So was it 2022 again that he tried or no? Uh, they, it was September of 2019 was the last time. Right. That's that's the last okay. time. I don't know when the next time will be. So once again, the jury de- deadlocked on Jason this time 9-3 to three in favor of a conviction. To avoid a third trial, Jason's lawyer reached an agreement with prosecutors for a conviction of manslaughter on December 16, 2005. He was sentenced to only six years in prison, with credit for time already served. And on top of that, he also requested that his sentence be delayed because he had the birth of his third child coming up. So they, this child was expected in March or April of 2006. This was granted. So he was allowed to be out at his child's birth. So he ended up being released from prison on July of 2012, which is interesting to huh. me because Jason is the one that hit Gwen with the shovel. We know that between that and the strangulation, Gwen was killed. Yeah. So how the hell did he get off of so much less than Jose I don't and know. Michael? I truly, I don't know. No, there's no reason, right? No. Because he didn't give the final 
blow, maybe? Oh, we no, don't, he may have. We don't know which killed her. Was who? it the strangulation or was it the blunt force trauma? Who gave the initial punch? Michael. Michael. Michael was the biggest leader of this whole thing. Okay, and then Jose came with a frying pan. And the can of food. And the can of food. And then Jason came with the, the shovel. shovel. Yes. And did, they never used the pickaxe. That was probably to dig the hole or yes. whatever. Okay. So they all had like a... Major, good, major roles. Yeah. Yes. But, I yeah. I wonder if Jason's family had money and got like a really hotshot lawyer. I don't know. Huh. But regardless... You would think they'd all be just grouped together the exact same mm-hmm. sentence like it be i mean that's a three for one yeah i don't know why they separated michael and jose as the 15 to life and then jason got maybe age know. were they different ages maybe no i think um if i'm not mistaken i believe jason was also 22 years old hmm. jaron was the 19 year old the rest were 22 okay huh that doesn't make any sense to me yeah and so they he got manslaughter six years so he's out oh yeah he was out in july of 2012 he's been out for 11 you know wow Live my regular life. Oh, yeah. 100%. And hit somebody with a shovel that could have murdered them. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Okay. So Gwen's murder resulted in some changes to the California law. In 2005, Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the Gwen Araujo Justice for Victims Act, which instructs jurors not to let bias against a victim's gender identity or sexual orientation have any influence in the decision of, you know, how you're sentencing somebody. Well, I mean, that's kind of a law already, but I mean, it's good to have it out there. Highlighting it. Yeah, just be like, by the way, even if you're like super like something that some kind of belief you have doesn't matter this is wrong it doesn't matter look at this person as a human being yes like that point blank this is a human maybe it helps during like the the trial where you can't bring up the fact that this person was transgender or whatever it was because it doesn't matter because they're human what happened was this human was tortured and beaten and killed and brought to the desert and buried right that's the point of this process right not that they had a penis right has nothing to do with it right so in 2014, the law strengthened by Governor Jerry Brown and the Assembly Bill number 205, or 2501 became the first state law in the nation to prohibit the use of gay panic or trans panic defenses. You cannot say I was so stricken with the fact that this person had a penis that I, I, I killed them. Yeah, I imagine that'd be, I mean, I didn't know that that was like an okay thing. Like, yeah. that's not cool. You, you need to have enough control of yourself. It's not okay to kill people. I mean, or or strike them. It's just not okay. For I any see, reason. Like, I, I see these, again, I obviously I like fight videos, right? So Oh, gosh. I cannot stand them. Right. Well, usually it's UFC stuff, and it's not a lot of, like, whatever. But it's, I don't know. It's a, so I see people, you know, get jumped or something, and it's like, yeah, man, you, that's what you deserve because you touched his woman or whatever. It's like, no. It, we live in a society where it's never, ever, ever okay to punch somebody. Right. Never. I mean, I guess if you're in your home and somebody's coming in, well, yeah, 100%. We're not talking about that. No, That's no. If, protecting if you're, your family. Yeah. And if you're, if they have a knife or something, absolutely. But if the person's standing there and just saying, you suck, you're, you're, or you slept with my wife, if they're or only, whatever. if they're only using words at that point, you cannot punch that person. You cannot assault them. It's right. called assault. You know, that there's a reason. So it's people in the comments like, yeah, that's what they deserve. It's like, I get where you're coming from, but that's illegal. So. You know what that made me think of? Um, I don't know which two hockey teams were playing. I don't know if it was the Lightning and was it the New York team? And that one guy was taunting the fan of the other team because he had their jersey on. And he just ran and just sucker punched him in the back of the head. And the guy immediately went down and like passed out. I didn't see that. You didn't see that? No. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, like uh, within a year. Okay. With the fan punch the... So it was two fans of two different teams. Oh, Let's I Let's say it was it. a New York Rangers and the Lightning. Yeah, it was a, a... A Lightning fan saw a Rangers jersey and just started heckling the guy. Sure, like, ah, oh, Rangers suck. Yeah, we all do that at sure. the stadium. Yeah. It's all in good fun. It's a game. I think he was in New York. Well, well okay, possibly. I'm, I Which don't know matter. the circumstances. Right. I don't know. I could be saying this wrong, but the situation was a fan of one team ran up to the other one without hesitation and just jacked him in the head. Yeah. And the guy went down like a ton of bricks and it's like, and the guy took holy off, crap, like- that is assault. That is insane. This guy could have been killed to the head. 
And thankfully, it was caught on video, and this guy was immediately found. But it's like, you can't do that. He took off running like a puss. Like a total like puss. And like, luckily, it was on video, and people were like, oh, yeah, I know that dude. Yeah, I know who that is, and it's yeah, him. That's Jim. So the point, like you're kind of saying, is like, you can't do that. You can't go through life just hitting people and killing people just because they did something that you feel was a betrayal to you or right. deceitful or if whatever. It's, if it's not a direct act of you being in uh, some kind of danger, you yes. can't hit somebody. We're not talking about self-defense here. So a defendant couldn't claim that they committed a murder because of the victim's gender identity or sexual orientation that was off the table. As of November 2000, or I'm sorry, 2022, 17 states have bans on the use of gay and trans panic. So not many, 17. Because it's, you know, we're we're talking about it a lot more. It kind of seems like it's come more to light in the last few years. I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm just, I wish people were more open-minded. So the trials lasted three years, and after they were complete, Sylvia Gwen's mom said that the court procedures took an absolute emotional toll on her. She lost her job as a legal assistant. She ended up losing her home. She had horrific PTSD because she had to be there to support her daughter. The things she heard and... You know, she said that people were looking at her like she was the problem, like your daughter did this, not not these guys. It took a real toll on her. She stayed with relatives for some time and now lives with one of her grandchildren. Her relationship with her children has also been affected, you know, because she's been so emotionally taken with the whole process. She wasn't there as much as she would have liked to for her other kids and their kids. Sure. Their so, whole family. Yeah. Life was all affected. suffered from this. Yeah. So she became an advocate for transgender rights and obtained a grant from Horizons Foundation to speak to schools about what it's like to raise a trans- transgender t- child, easy for me to say, and what the trans- transgender youth faces in society. That's a great which idea. Which is great. Yeah, because that's, you know, it, the, the, the parents, you always want to try to have like a reason, you know, your, your son or daughter, whatever was taken, you know, and it's like, they, now you can go out and talk to people that are going through similar things that you did. And maybe they can learn from you that like, oh, yeah. no, my, my son or daughter just told me they're transgender. And what do I do? Like, how did you handle it? And yeah. what do you wish you would have done differently? Exactly. And that's fantastic information to give other people. And talking to the kids at the school. Like, if you notice that a classmate that you've always known as a male is now all of a sudden transitioning to a female, to be open and accepting of that. Or there's people that don't identify as either because they're not sure yes it's like you know it's confusing for me because i don't know i don't i don't know how that must feel and so you know if i ever get an opportunity i will talk to a person that doesn't feel like they can identify and i'm sorry i don't know the right way is it non-binary yeah non-binary so i might yeah, I would love to ask some questions, yeah. and hopefully they'd be open enough to share with me, and I can And I learn. bet you they would be, oh, yeah. because they would appreciate the fact that you were curious and wanting to learn, because, you know, we kind of live in a sheltered world that you know, we don't know transgender people. I, I don't have any friends that are transgender, but I'd be certainly open to hearing what you have to say and, and accepting. And what you're going through, and, and some... You know, support you as a human being. Yes. Because we're all on earth together here. We got to make the best yes. of this whole crazy thing. Everybody you know? has their own battles that they're going through, whatever they are. Some might be harder than others. But, you know, I think we just need to be more accepting and open and loving. The fact that we're all humans, like DNA-wise, we're all very similar. And admit that sometimes things are confusing. Like, it's yeah. confusing to me because I don't know. And, 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 you know, a lot of times I just kind of shut down during conversations because I'm like, I'm not sure how to, I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. And I just want to stay, my, keep my mouth shut. So it's like, I don't say anything bad. And if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, when I was doing the research for this, I wanted to be sure that I was using the right words because I didn't want to be offensive. So it's just important to me that, you know, we don't offend anybody. Because again, like I say, we're all humans. We're all going through this life together. Like, let's just be kind to one another. So um, Gwen's older sister, Pearl, feels that, you know, they kind of lost their mom because she's stuck in her grief and living in the prison of her own mind. But I am glad to hear that Sylvia is out there and trying to make the best that she can and bring something positive to light with the fact that this horrific thing happened to her daughter. So Gwen's murder helped inspire the transgender community, and somebody named Bambi Salcedo went on to establish the Trans-Latin Coalition and began to fight for trans- transgender rights after 
learning of her death. Her mother, Sylvia, feels that in her death, she literally saved thousands of lives. I can't tell you how many people have told me, because of your daughter, I am free to be who I am. Man, even one person saying that's got to yes. feel amazing. Amazing. Because I, I would imagine it's got to be terribly hard and scary to have all these emotions trolling around in your chest and in your mind and to have the the courage to come to your family and friends and say, I want to be who I'm meant to be. Yeah. Um. You know, like, that's why if you're somebody who doesn't, like, quote, unquote, believe in gayness and stuff like that, like, and if you say that to your kids at any point in their lives, like, I think you're doing a huge disservice. Well, of course you are. I'm being nice because I'd love to use much harsher words. I I don't have a lot of respect for anybody like that because, like, you might be, there might be something in your kid that has that thought and you're nailing it down. You're, like, hammering it, being like, nope, leave it in there. Leave it in there. This is bad. Don't talk to me. Like every opportunity I get, I try to say it to our kids, like whether you're with a guy or a girl or whatever, I, I try not to say, I'm like your next partner. I, I try to say. Yeah. That. And we always just say, no matter what, we'll love the you. The person you love, like the person you marry. Mm-hmm. We I will love to, and support you. And it's hard, but it's, uh, yeah. Our biggest thing is just don't marry an asshole. Yes. Like, you know, somebody <laughs> that's what, terrible. I don't care. What just gender they are. If or, they're respectful, hardworking, productive people. Like that's, And they treat you right. That's You're treated right and you're happy. Yeah. It's really bottom line of what it comes down to. So that is the murder of Gwen Araujo. And, you know, I just I'm so sorry that what happened to her happened. It's so unfortunate and sad. But the only person that's left in prison at this point is Michael. Wow. Well, uh, it sounds like he deserves to still be in prison. So he does not seem like a very nice person. Yeah. Let him rot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, thank you for going over that. And yeah, I'm sorry for Gwen and her family and Sylvia. Hopefully she's still going out there and talking. to Yeah, people. that's awesome. Um, hey, so we do do a podcast every single week on Sundays, and if you like these podcasts, there's a way to get more. Did you know that, Allison? I did know that, Mike. We do bonus episodes every other week. So literally every other week, we've pounded out these bonus episodes. I think there's like 17 out there. Yeah, something like that. If you're a binger, if you're binging the hell out of these, you're like, yeah, I wish you had more. Well, I got good news for you. You, you can, can become, have 17 new ones. Yeah, right away. Like instantly. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I'm snapping like that or if you simply just want to help support us yeah that's very appreciated and you know keeping us going and moving forward and producing and all that good stuff yeah go look in the messages and the information there's a way to our patreon page it says want bonus episodes click on that one that's the patreon so um we went we said we had enough you know a lot of patrons and we'd love each and every one of you but Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about our new ones each week so thank you to every single patron especially the ones that have been with us every single one day one or even day five days ago whatever so thank you to Alyssa and Elise for joining the team yes we appreciate uh, you here's like a cup of coffee for you I I drank it all but if I did have some I would drink even more there's a little clank and I'm gonna yeah it's cheers to you guys it's dry you can see that's (laughs) that's me talking into my cup so hey thank you so much for listening we appreciate the heck out of every single one of you and uh, treat each other nicely and love each other and all that good stuff like my shirt says choose happy choose kindness and like my shirt says have skeleton bones we all have these bones in our under our skin right yeah. We're just human beings with bones walking around, bone bags of bones. That's Let's just be kind to one another, be accepting, be open, be be nice. Yeah, and maybe, you know, if you're into that thing, have some intercourse with somebody you love. Hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever keeps you happy, choose happy. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. On that note, bye. bye.